Section two of the Life of Mozart, Volume One by Otto Jahn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Noel Badrian. The Life of Mozart by Otto Jahn. Section two. Introductions. Part two. I am, of course, far from denying that Ulibichev has brought to the performance of his task considerable power of delicate aesthetic analysis, together with much spirit and ingenuity. But his analysis of particular works does not start from artistic form, the specific basis of all works of art. He never seeks to demonstrate how the universal laws of art, under certain conditions, govern all concrete forms according to the individuality of the artist, a difficult task in music, but still essential to its true understanding. Instead of this, he contents himself with giving us his own reflections on the various compositions he analyzes, and the feelings and ideas which they suggest to himself. Such reflections are pleasant and entertaining when they proceed from a clever and cultivated mind, but they are usually more characteristic of the author than of his subject, and are mainly satisfactory to those who fail to grasp the substance of a work of art and are fain to content themselves with its shadow. Ulibichev invariably displays both intellect and cultivation, but it is the cultivation of a man of the world, not that of a musician, which has no basis of enthusiasm or dilettantism. His remarks seldom reach the root of the matter, and are often deceptive in their brilliancy, thus accomplishing little for a better appreciation of his subject. Do not be alarmed, my dear friend, at the invidious position in which I place myself and my work by my want of reserve as to others. My cause is that of knowledge, and I must have a clear understanding as to my powers and the means at my disposal for accomplishing the task before me. Least of all would I appear to deprecate censure on my own work by sparing it to that of others. You are aware that music has, from my youth up, occupied a large share of my time and thoughts, so much so that my elders were in the habit of shaking their heads and auguring ill for my philological studies. They may have been right. I must at any rate acknowledge that music has ever been to me quite as serious a study as philology, and that I have striven to acquire such a thorough and scientific knowledge as should give me an insight into its nature and mechanism. I consider it therefore as a duty to myself to turn to account the labour that has occupied a good share of my life, and I embrace with eagerness the opportunity of dedicating my research to the great masters to whom I owe so much. I believe myself justified in considering that a representation of the life and works of a great master offers so many sides and makes so many demands that only united forces can prove themselves fully equal to the task. If, therefore, I was obliged, perforce, to leave much that was essential to the musician by profession, my greater practice in scientific method might advance the undertaking in other and not less important directions. Consoled by these reflections, I set to work. 
the task i proposed to myself was a thorough investigation of the sources available for a trustworthy and exhaustive account of mozart's life with special reference to all that was calculated to affect his moral and musical development in the general conditions of his time and in the local and personal circumstances which influenced him and in addition a history of his development as an artist and a characterization of his artistic performances as comprehensive as a thorough study and appreciation of his compositions could make it no side of this task could be treated altogether independently both the researches and the remarks resulting from them touching now one now the other in the biography as in the individual the artist and the man are indissolubly united i soon became painfully aware of the insufficiency of my materials and the scattered additions to nissen's collection which came in from time to time were but scanty gleanings it was essential to reach the original sources my journey to vienna in 1852 was undertaken as you know chiefly with the object of collecting such traditions of beethoven as might remain there i did not hope to find much which might lead to a closer knowledge of mozart living testimony as to his life person or circumstances was almost extinct little of what i learnt was from impressions at first hand and it was generally necessary to guard against such communications as the result of book knowledge distorted by verbal transmission nevertheless my visit was an instructive one even as concerned mozart widely different as was the vienna of eighteen fifty two from the vienna of eighteen seventy to eighteen ninety yet much was gained by actual observation and impressions which could not be given by books and which operates more in the colour and tone of the whole representation than in any precise details intercourse also with accomplished friends led to much which would otherwise have remained untouched my valued friend Karian, in particular with his musical knowledge and his intimate acquaintance with vienna rendered my stay in that city as instructive as it was agreeable he had a good opportunity of experiencing how much trouble one is capable of giving to a friend who is always ready with explanations and willing to enter on the driest search into matters of detail if he can thereby help forward another at the imperial library i found not only the different manuscripts of the requiem which serve as the surest testimony on the much debated question of its authorship but many other important manuscripts and rich material of all kinds my access to which i owe to the unfailing courtesy of the custodian a schmid but the most important aid came from alois fuchs with extraordinary perseverance he had collected every writing that in any way related to mozart and with a disinterested liberality rare among collectors he placed at my service all that he possessed and all that he knew his chronological catalogue of all mozart's works published and unpublished was of the greatest service to me as well as the long list of documents newspapers journals and pamphlets which he had either in the original or copies i sometimes regretted however that the collection was made more in the spirit of a collector than in the interests of science so that for example he has scarcely ever noted the source of his extracts 
but much was brought to my notice which would scarcely otherwise have occurred to me much trouble was spared and a number of mozart's letters were made known to me for the first time i was unfortunately prevented from thoroughly examining fuchs's valuable collection of mozart's compositions in their different editions and copies my time was short and i hoped to be able to avail myself of a future opportunity for doing so this hope was frustrated by the death of alois fuchs a few months after i left vienna it has been a painful feeling to me not to be able to express my gratitude for so much friendly service by offering to him the book in which i know he would have taken pleasure the greatest service which he rendered me however was the intelligence that all that were preserved of mozart's letters had been presented to the mozartium in salzburg by the frau baroni cavalcabo to whom they were bequeathed by mozart's son wolfgang in november of the same year i repaired therefore to salzburg i here found the only remains of that complete correspondence which nissen had edited viz the letters between seventeen seventy seven and seventeen eighty four just as he had made use of them fortunately they embraced the most important period of the biography a cursory glance convinced me that nissen had been not only inexact and arbitrary in his selections in matters of detail but that he had altogether suppressed the most important events affecting the proper understanding of the period here then was much to be done but it was richly worth the trouble through the kind assistance of the secretary of the mozartium dr von hillebrandt and of the custodian jelinek i was enabled to give my whole attention to the work i collated the letters printed by nissen like an old schoolman copying them entire or making voluminous extracts one may boast of one's industry and i can offer an unimpeachable witness of mine in old teresa at the golden ox who afterwards forgot my name but remembered me as the professor who sat in his room for more than three weeks writing from morning to night fortunately it was bad weather or it would have been too hard a trial even for a professor to sit in his room all day at salzburg but the usually hateful task of transcription was on this occasion a real enjoyment i could fancy myself in intercourse with the man himself as i lived his life again letter by letter i could realize the emotions of joy or sorrow which had prompted his words the impressions which they had made on the recipients and even the variations in the handwriting grew to have their own significance it is my most earnest wish that some breath of this feeling may have passed into my own performance but it would scarcely be possible to reproduce the inspiration which contact with the letters awoke in myself on the completion of this task i made researches for any of mozart's compositions which might still remain in salzburg i failed however to discover any although mozart's sister his widow and her sister had lived in salzburg within the last ten years it had occurred to no one to make inquiries concerning their great countrymen or to preserve for posterity the rich treasures of the family tradition which encircled his whole life i found when i inquired that all was as completely forgotten as irrecoverably lost as his grave 
nor had anything further been preserved in the way of family papers and documents after the death of mozart's eldest son karl all that he possessed of letters written during the journeys of seventeen sixty two to seventeen seventy five and other documents were placed in the mozartium treasure such as that correspondence i could scarcely expect to excavate elsewhere but through the kindness of friends and well-wishers many letters have been placed at my disposal which have added to the interest more particularly of mozart's later years i have no doubt that many documents are still hidden in autograph collections and elsewhere perchance my book may open the eyes of the possessors to the true value of their treasures and i shall consider it as a rich reward of my labours if they aid in bringing to light any such relics of mozart assistance of another kind not less important than the foregoing came from andre's collection it is well known that the hofrath andre purchased from mozart's widow the entire collection of mozart's original manuscripts of printed and unprinted works and this collection with the exception of a few pieces disposed of at an earlier date was preserved in frankfurt entire in the possession of andre's heirs as denoted by a thematic catalogue of the original manuscripts by mozart in the possession of hofrath andre offenbach eighteen forty one leopold mozart carefully preserved all wolfgang's youthful works and at his death they came into the son's possession although not by any means so careless about his compositions as he had been represented he nevertheless lost or gave away a considerable number after his death however it was found that his works previous to this residence in vienna had been preserved almost entire and by far the greater number of those of later years andre's collection contains further the enumeration in mozart's own handwriting of his works from his earliest years in almost unbroken succession to his death the more important and greater number of his compositions previous to seventeen eighty are still unprinted and many of the printed ones are so carelessly edited that a comparison with the original is indispensable the importance of andre's collection is manifest and it is probable that none of equal value historical and artistic exists for any other great master whatever be his art unhappily the apprehension that germany could conceive no worthier or more lasting way of honouring mozart than by the erection of statues and busts has been fulfilled and mozart's manuscripts have already been in great measure dispersed convinced that a review of mozart's musical development would be impossible without an exhaustive knowledge of his youthful works i repaired to frankfurt in the summer of eighteen fifty three in order to examine this remarkable collection the brothers karl and julius andre granted me ready access to it and kindly prepared me an apartment in their house where i had full liberty to study the manuscripts and make what notes and extracts i pleased a task which occupied five weeks as it proceeded i could not but feel that the most accurate notices could not give the fresh impression of the actual work here again the brothers andre came to my aid 
displaying throughout a warmth of interest in my work and a liberality which i could not have ventured to expect they provided me as my work progressed with each particular manuscript on which i was engaged so that my remarks could be grounded on the actual examination of every composition without the confidence and aid of these gentlemen my book could not have succeeded in attaining that wherein i place its essential value it is owing to their courtesy and kindness that i may boast not only of a perfect acquaintance with all mozart's works with few and unimportant exceptions but also of having enjoyed the singular happiness and advantage of studying the greater number of them in his own handwriting you will perceive my dear friend that all this led of necessity to fresh disclosures to a fuller and more accurate insight into that which has hitherto been only partially known and you will further take for granted that i as a philologue would not neglect such researches into the literature of my subject as should bring together the scattered materials available for my task but you must keep in mind that musical literature is not so accessible as philological and that many expedients which lighten our labours in the latter path are wholly wanting in the former i am therefore far from flattering myself that i have even approached a complete study of the literature of my subject i only aimed at such a study so far as it concerned main principles for to become acquainted with or even to quote everything that has been thought dreamt or raved concerning mozart's music was as far from my intention as from my desire i was more than satisfied with what came in my way of this kind in the course of my reading and my readers will be more than satisfied with what i offer them of it by way of example my first aim then was the verification and authentication of facts and their unbiased statement so far as this was of interest the written or authentic verbal traditions of mozart and his family were here my chief dependence and except where some special authority is adducted nissen's correspondence forms the basis of my narrative but since it was my wish to bring together all that appeared of lasting interest and to dispense with nissen's collection for all readers who do not desire to search and prove for themselves i have therefore quoted verbally from the letters wherever it was feasible and have not hesitated to displace them where it answered my purpose in the narrative i have in every case indicated the letters by their date without mentioning whether they have been printed by nissen or not they may be readily referred to in the careful collection of l knoll mozart's briefe salzburg eighteen sixty five i must remark by the way that my version cannot be verified by nissen since his is neither accurate nor entire and in order to avoid any misunderstanding i may also mention that beside the collections referred to above many single letters of leopold and wolfgang mozart have come to hand to which i was able to make more exact reference as a matter of course i have made use of originals whenever they were to be had and of nissen's version only when they were wanting 
from you my dear friend i need only request confidence in my scrupulous honesty as to these matters and i have hope that my book may inspire the reader with a belief in the accuracy of my rendering it need scarcely be said that i have not made the slightest alteration in the style and expression of the letters i have only taken a few liberties with the orthography in order not to distract the reader's attention unnecessarily from the characterization i have accurately indicated any reference to authorities other than the letters it has been my aim to represent not only what immediately concerns mozart but also the time in which he lived his circumstances and the persons with whom he came in contact so far as all these affected the development of his genius and here again i found the need of trustworthy information well informed as we may be on the history of literature and culture during the latter part of the eighteenth century yet our information as to musical events and persons is meagre and obscure and we know least of those regions which are of the greatest interest in the history of music i doubt not that an historian occupied with the study of this age would discover much that has escaped me of interest although i have heard even such complain of the poverty of material i have striven with a certain amount of zeal to bring together all that appeared to render my narrative more graphic and lifelike and have not refrained from adducing my authorities partly for the sake of accuracy partly to point the way to those who find the subject of interest i have gone even further than this and have added to the names of many persons principally musicians of whom mention had to be made a short notice of their life and sometimes an epitome of their performances it is probable that the minority of my readers will already have such facts in their minds and they are essential to a clear perception of the whole work i have been anxious to spare them the trouble of continual reference to a biographical dictionary i have confined myself to the accessible and of its kind excellent dictionary of musicians by gerber and fetis but my own investigations leading me into the detailed history of this time have not seldom supplied additional data for such notices i remark this not to depreciate the merit of those works but that it may not be supposed that my statements can always be verified by a reference to accessible authorities you may perhaps smile at the zeal of the philologue betraying itself in such minute particulars be it so i hold to my craft and occasionally you will not find it amiss that i do so i may remark besides not to you but to those who hold in horror notes digressions quotations and references as the merciless weapons of pedantry that they need not for this reason at once reject my book i have striven so to write that the text is complete in itself and requires no notes for its comprehension and those who do not desire the information they contain may contentedly pass them over on the other hand i hope that you will uphold my opinion that the application of the scientific method even to these researches cannot but be to their advantage this is perhaps most strikingly evident in the chronological notification of each separate work we are well supplied with chronological information as to mozart's compositions 
from 1784 onwards, we possess his own carefully compiled thematic catalogue, which André has edited, Offenbach, 1805 and 1828. On earlier compositions, the data is generally correctly given with the autograph signature, and the list of authentically dated works comprises by far their greater number, but not quite all. The autograph is wanting to many, and they are not all dated. It thus becomes necessary to resort to classification, resting on the external evidence of paper and handwriting, and the internal evidence of style and technical treatment, as well as on the testimony of witnesses. Hofrath André compiled, for his own use, a chronological catalogue coming down to the year 1784, of which I have made use. It contains many suggestive remarks, and did me good service, although, of course, it could not spare me my own investigations, by means of which I have, in most cases, come to a solution of my difficulties. The catalogue, which I have compiled with considerable pains, will, I hope, recommend itself by its brevity, clearness, and trustworthiness. I was obliged to give up the idea of noting what had been already printed, where and how often. To do this with completeness and exactitude would require an amount of time and study which was out of my power to bestow. The treatment of historical facts, both in detail and as a whole, has its own secure and beaten path. Its final object is truth, and my sole concern has been to discover and set forth the truth. No consideration for others has led me to conceal what was essential or important for the due understanding of Mozart as a man and an artist. Neither have I been tempted to silence on points which were to his disadvantage. Public opinion on his achievements as a fully developed artist is firmly established, and is perhaps only susceptible of modifications of detail and degree. But my work is the first attempt that has been made towards a correct judgment of Mozart as a student and as a man. It has been a pleasure to me to find that as I proceeded, my admiration, esteem and love for Mozart were constantly on the increase but not on any account would I have my representation of his character considered in the light of an apology. It is my firm conviction that injustice is done to great men by concealing or slurring over their failings. We serve them best by seeking to make them understood just as they were. An attempt to lay Mozart's individuality before the reader seemed hardly complete without some presentation of his outward appearance. You will find, therefore, in this book, the charming picture of Mozart as a boy, engraved from the portrait in oils, painted in Verona in 1770. Also the characteristic portrait from the family group in the Mozartium at Salzburg, which was painted in 1780, and an engraving of Tischbein's portrait, painted at Mayence in 1790. I have thought it right further, in a work which is intended to transmit traditions, to preserve the well-known profile of Posch's medallion, which served as a model for all early portraits, more and more unlike in every copy, and yet always like. 
Various facsimiles of Mozart's handwriting are also given, and I do not fear that you will find out of place a portrait of his father, also taken from the Salzburg family picture. May I add one word on the musical criticism contained in my work? I am quite aware that it must stand on its own merits, and I am only anxious to express my full consciousness of the difficulty of my undertaking. That the substance of a musical work cannot be verbally represented, and that its effect on the hearer is incapable of being reproduced by description, least of all by a climax of high-sounding adjectives, admits of no dispute. Properly speaking, as Schumann once wished for the musical critic, when a composition is discussed, there should be singers and instrumentalists ready at hand to perform it. But this being scarcely feasible, we are driven to a verbal attempt at reproducing the essence of the work. Such an attempt can only succeed by starting from artistic form and showing how its laws and types, its technical conditions, its manifold application and development are all represented in the most individual modifications. A general idea of the work, however, is all that can be arrived at by this means. The immediate impression made upon the mind by its performance cannot be reproduced, neither can the attempt to express in words the artistic frame of mind which finds its expression in the forms of the work be altogether successful, and it is impossible to apprehend the degree in which the artistic mood imbues the artistic form otherwise than by observation of the work itself. Descriptions of musical works, therefore, since music cannot, like painting, borrow analogies from visible nature, must remain mere approximations of the original. They become more definite in proportion as they fall in with the reader's own experiences and find in these analogies and, as it were, precedents for the new ideas it is sought to convey. The main difficulty consists in the fact that among a large circle of readers, which I know you wish for me, the degrees of musical cultivation to which appeal may be made are necessarily very varied. It would be impossible on this account to treat the subject in the purely technical manner, which would be the shortest and most convenient, were musicians only addressed. Neither can every separate point be treated from its very beginning, without a presupposition of some knowledge and comprehension on the part of the reader. There only remains then, as it seems to me, such a consideration of musical form from varied points of view and proceeding in varied directions, yet always with reference to some particular case, as shall bring into play the reader's special musical experiences, and assist him to a true understanding of the subject. If he should be struck with only one particular point, and should feel it become a reality for him, he will henceforward have a clue to the mastery of the rest. To this end, I hope, that my historical survey of the development of musical forms and my general observations concerning the laws of art may tend. And here I must remark that I have no intention of providing the technical musician with a theoretical analysis of separate works, but that my characterization has been limited by the position of its object in the whole representation. I leave you to judge, my dear friend, how far, under these difficult circumstances, I have succeeded 
in expressing myself clearly and forcibly i can only affirm with confidence that all that i have said has been realized and experienced by myself the sympathy and assistance of my honoured friend hauptmann has been a source of great gratification to me during the publication of my book i do not desire to impose upon him any share of responsibility in it by thanking him for the care with which he has overlooked the author as well as the compositor but you will understand how i have been encouraged and refreshed during my labours by continual proofs of his friendly sympathy and how sorely i miss my pleasant personal intercourse with him the hour is late my dear friend later than it was our wont to separate after our musical revels which in the opinion of your amiable wife often lasted far too long farewell and accept my book with the same cordial sympathy and indulgence which i have hitherto found so invaluable otto jan bonn november the thirtieth eighteen fifty five end of section two introductions part two